0: You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa DS. This is episode 366.5, and today I'm going to tell you about a couple of genre-blending historical fiction titles that I love. But before I do that, let's hear from our sponsor.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888-LOVE and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my
0: This first book is one that I read after having also read and just finished the first two books in the All Souls trilogy by Deborah Harkness, which uh, starts with A Discovery of Witches, and the second is Shadow of Night. Shadow of Night takes the characters back in time to Elizabethan England and features real historical figures, including the folks from The School of Night, one of which was suspected to have been Kit Marlowe. And I realized I A, like just spending time in this particular historical period, and also that I apparently just wanted to read another book about Kit Marlowe, because he is the subject of my first pick, and that is A Tip for the Hangman by Alison Epstein. This book is, again, about Christopher Marlowe, and if you don't know who Kit Marlowe was, will do a little low-budget history lesson here. <laughs> he was a famous Elizabethan poet and playwright, and probably Shakespeare's most important predecessor in English drama. I said that funny. Predecessor in English drama. But he was born a couple months, I believe, before Shakespeare. He was a bright student who won scholarships to prestigious schools. He earned his bachelor's from Cambridge in 1584, I believe. He was nearly denied the master's degree he was working on also at Cambridge in 1587. And then... And the reason, by the way, is that he was rumored to have been just sort of a troublemaker. But then advisors to Queen Elizabeth intervened and recommended that he still receive the degree – you know, recommended that he receive it, citing, quote-unquote, services for the state as their reasoning – hmm, may seem a little fishy. And that is because there is very real speculation that, of course, cannot 100% be proven that he was a spy for the ground for Queen Elizabeth. We'll never know for sure, because that's how espionage works. Like, if you are good at being a spy, we probably wouldn't and shouldn't know that you are indeed a spy. But again, there's a lot of historical records, more of which than I would have assumed, uh, but that still exist that make a strong case for the fact that that's precisely what he was. I won't talk my face off here, but it is a really interesting Google rabbit hole that this book absolutely sent me on. History, man. It's a lot of fun. So, now that I've given you that little background, again, this is about Kit Marlowe and takes place in that time when he was plucked out of Cambridge to, in theory, you know, we won't know for sure, be a spy. It is fun, it's irreverent, and it is kind of a spy thriller meets historical fiction. And that's why it is, you know, on my list of books to talk to you about today. Kit is studying at Cambridge, working on that master's, barely staying out of trouble, When he's pulled out of lessons one day. And he thinks he's in trouble. He's like, all right, the jig is up. You're about to give me the boot. Adios. Instead, though, he is tapped on the shoulder... And asked to do a little little favey fave for Miss, you know, Her Majesty the Queen. Word on the street is that he's cunning and a convincing liar, and that he's good at translations and ciphers, which he is. And so the Queen's spymaster is like, "Hey, these are things, you know, skills that would probably aid in the goal that we have, which is to do away with that old Papist Mary Stuart." And if you don't know. This is also, you know, a real historical event. There was a rivalry that had to do with succession between Queen Elizabeth and Mary Stuart. Mary Stuart, Mary Queen of Scots, wanted Elizabeth to name her as her heir to the throne. Elizabeth famously never got married and had kids, so the issue of succession was like a hot and pressing one. And there was a lot of speculation at the time that Mary Queen of Scots was engaging in plots to assassinate Elizabeth. And so the plot of this book is that they're like, we need you to help spy on her and prove that's the case so that, you know... We can do off with her head. Spoiler, the head does roll. <laughs> that is, you know, a real historical event. So anyway, that is what Kit does. Like, he doesn't really have the option of saying no, I would assume. So he leaves Cambridge to take up a post as Mary, Queen of Scots's footman, footman, foot, footman, I think is how you say that, and spies on her to hopefully uncover the plot. And I will let you, you know, read the rest, like figure out how that goes. Although, again, we all know the one part, which is that Mary, Queen of Scots, does indeed lose her head. The version of Kit that we get here is smart, but he's also completely out of his depth in a lot of places, as, you know, one would be in theory. Like, he does get put through, I think, some preliminary low-level spy school kind of stuff, but really he's sort of just taken out of Cambridge and been like, yeah, you're a good liar, right? (laughs) And then they, you know, shove him in. And he gets by, yeah, because he's a good liar and can think on his feet, but more often it's also just luck and by the skin of his teeth that he gets by He's conflicted by the work that he does the further in to the gig he gets and with, you know, every new job, because of course, it's not just one job. And it starts to really weigh on him when his involvement starts to have consequences on the real people and real relationships in his life, including one of sort of an amorous nature there is speculation that in real life that kit marlowe was gay i think it's actually pretty well accepted at this point but because homosexuality was illegal in england at the time it wasn't something that was outright stated but in the book they Alison epstein does absolutely make him like a fully queer character and it was really i liked reading about the relationship that he had um, most specifically which is why the ending of this book was so uh, and again i don't know if it counts as a spoiler but if you look up what, or just happen to know what really happened to Kit Marlowe, you know what's coming. And yet, because it's told from the first person, and you've really come to just connect with the character, that ending, like those last few pages, I was absolutely crying. Even though I knew it was coming, it was just the way it was rendered. Oh, such a great book. And I wish more people would read it. So I hope you do too. If you like yourself a spy thriller, if you love some history, if you like historical fiction and a you know blend of all of the above, definitely pick up A Tip for the Hangman by Alison Epstein. Trigger warning, this book does discuss uh, plenty of violence. I don't remember it being like super graphic on the page, but it's, you know, the spy game. So stuff happens. Swords, knives, things. And my second pick for you is, for you as though I'm talking directly to you, I am though, let's let's pretend, we're friends now, right? <laughs> is The Conductors by Nicole Glover. This is a series now. I know there's at least one other book in it called The Undertakers. I cannot remember at the time right now if there are going to be more in the books or if there already are. But it is a blend of fantasy. It's an alternate history and a mystery. So lots of history thing, eh, you know, Anyway. What I'm trying to say is this is a mashup of several different things, <laughs> and it takes place in Reconstruction-era Philly. The two main characters are Hetty and Benji Rhodes, both of whom are skilled at something called constellation magic. So they do sigil work based on, you know, constellation science, which is really fun to read about. I don't know that I've seen that type of magic explored in other books. It was just nice. They are famous conductors for something called the Vigilance Society, which is a group of folks who have helped or did help enslaved black people on the path to freedom along the Underground Railroad. So the book flashes back and forth between the past during their trips to the South doing work for the Vigilant Society, and then the, you know, quote unquote, present, which again is Reconstruction era Philly, where they now use their magic to sort of serve as their community's detectives. They're the ones who look into the cases, especially like missing persons and, and deaths that the white police just don't care about and won't, you know, they, they won't investigate them. They're not considered worthy of their time. So they take that upon themselves to, you know, be sort of beacons in their black community to help folks in their time of need. The issue facing them now is that someone has turned up dead and that person is actually a friend. He's turned up dead in an alley. And there's something about the way that his, you know, they find his body. That is a pretty quick tip off to Hetty, at least that this is, I mean, it was already a suspicious death because he didn't die of natural causes, but there's something else, something, hmm, that's that's making her feel like there's, there's more than meets the eye. So she and Benji do agree to help try to find, you know, what's going on. But because this case is so close to home, that means that they're having to sort of poke and prod around their community, like the folks that they consider friends. And they uncover secrets and lies among the elite of, you know, black Philadelphia and also end up dredging up secrets and stuff between the two of them. The books are really, really fun. They're not super like fast paced page turnery but they very much build and the characters are just such a big thing in this book like the community is so strong with the details of how these folks have banded together to create a support system in a place that is largely inhospitable in so many other ways And the particularly the relationship between Hetty and Benji is one that I like because their dynamic starts off as more kind of pragmatic and practical, but is slowly building up to something kind of warmer and deeper and more comfortable. So I just love spending time with these books. As the mysteries themselves are compelling, but again, it's that community and the characters, all of them, who just sort of leap off the page. Uh, I love books with that really strong sense of community, and that's what these give for sure. And that's all I got for you today. I hope you pick those up and enjoy them. They're they're such great reads. Thank you so much to our sponsor. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Sink, who does such a great job of editing out all of our flubs and foibles, of which there are often many, like today, even though I'm recording by myself. Thank you, of course, also for listening. For more recs and general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts over at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on whatever your podcast player of choice is. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us a little love, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate that review since it helps other book lovers find us. And if you want to find me, I'm mostly on the gram these days at Buenos Dias and I'm occasionally over at Book Riot's TikTok too, making you know a bit of a fool out of myself in a bookish way. <laughs> in the meantime, thanks again for listening and happy reading.